0: Welcome to the 1-0 Podcast, hosted by Joe Cook and Brad Kellner. The 1-0 Podcast is part of the Everyone Gets a Trophy Podcast channel, and today we are going to preview Steve Sarkeesian's first spring game, which is this Saturday at Daryl Care Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. We'll talk about what we're looking for from certain positions, as well as some macro and micro uh, observations we'd like to make. Listen to both our show and Everyone Gets a Trophy, hosted by Kevin Dunn and Scipio Tech. Subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcast and please leave a review to let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. If you'd like to contact us directly, send us emails at everyone gets a at gmail.com. That's everyone with the number one gets trophy at gmail.com. And of course our show would not be possible without the following sponsors.
1: Audio-visual consultations. If you want to spruce up your home TV setup, you got to do it with the best. That's AV Consultations. Locally owned and operated here in Central Texas since the 1980s. Nobody does it better. Make sure you get your TV setup done by the time real Texas football rolls around this fall. Give them a call, 512-255-8678. And the One to Know podcast is also brought to you by Altstadt Brewery, Altstadt Beer, it is German beer made here and the absolute best beer that you can find in the state of Texas. They've got six packs, they've got 15 packs, tall boys, kegs, a tons of variety, tons of different choices for every beer drinker out there. Pick some up next time you're at the store. It is Altstadt beer, no impurities, no
0: regrets. Yeah, if you, uh, if you can't make it to Austin this, this weekend for the Orange-White game, which I believe will be about 25% capacity, free admission, 1 p.m. Uh, this Saturday, the 24th, uh, looking at my USGA calendar on my wall. The U.S. Women's Amateur Four Ball Championship also begins that day. So hey. a little competition for the Longhorn Network. Uh, <laughs> but, no, it, this is, uh, it's, it's, I'm excited for this. In, in spring games, normally – are you know, it's, it's like every other spring, literally, it's a time of new growth and seeing what's new and, and coming for the, and upcoming for the upcoming year. And that's no different with, with Texas football under Steve Sarkeesian and also in its first spring game since 2019. Remember last year the COVID-19 pandemic was, uh, uh, was had been here for about a month, at least all the effects of it. And uh, that resulted in no spring football practices. Ahead of installing two brand new systems under Tom Herman, now uh, Steve Sarkeesian is here. Has replaced Tom Herman, also installing new offensive systems. But he's had 14 spring practices to get that done, and, and number 15 will be uh, this upcoming Saturday. So just just good to have it back. I know uh, the the common line about Texas sports is that there's two seasons: football and spring football season, and uh, that that's holding true with the excitement that, uh, that's that's uh, being put on a Texas football program right now, and I think this Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like.
1: Dude, I am pumped. I mean, you and I both have sources who have seen this Texas football team in action, but neither of us ourselves have seen this Texas football team in action, and obviously Saturday will be the first time the general public gets to see the Longhorns under Steve Sarkeesian. So I know it's a spring game. I know Sark's going to keep things relatively vanilla this weekend, but I'm just excited to get to watch this football team and see some of the things that they've been working on this spring. It is a new era of Texas football, and in my mind, it officially begins this weekend. So really looking forward to it. A lot to get to, a lot of position battles. Joe, this team has less returning production than any team in the Big 12. We feel good about the talent on this roster Expectations are always high in Austin. That's nothing new. But a lot of question marks with this football team. And we'll start to get some answers this Saturday for the first time.
0: Yeah, and, and Steve Sarkeesian, as he mentioned, uh, he was on the horn this morning uh, with with Craig and Jeff Howe at Liza Tower. And he talked about how this is going to be kind of like a game. They're going to make it look like a football game because that's what people want to see and that's what players enjoy be, taking part in. So... Uh, I don't think it'll be ones versus twos. I, I think it'll be a draft, but that hasn't been uh, totally you know, put out to the public yet and probably will be by the time you're listening to this. But, yeah, I, I'm just really excited to see it and, and I'm ready for, for what's going to come from it. And a lot of people, their first viewpoint, first thing they're going to look for is how the quarterbacks play. Mm-hmm. And I think – and I'm very happy that Texas – Uh, Media relations decided to let both quarterbacks, both Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, come out and speak with the media on Zoom today on Thursday. You know that's that's the position battle that even you know most Texas fans are focusing their eyes on. But even anybody with a passing interest, if you're a Big 12 fan or you know just a regular college football fan, uh, seeing who the quarterback battle uh, how that shakes out at Texas is basically the biggest off-season storyline. So to see that Texans is putting those guys out there to talk about what they've been through in these past you know month or so, what they're looking forward to doing under uh, Steve Sarkeesian, what they're looking forward to on this Saturday and you know their approach to the competition, that uh, was really refreshing to hear. And, and those guys have a very different way of going at it. I, I think you know a lot of people haven't heard from either of these players very much. The backup quarterback you know isn't getting interview requests. Uh, Very often, the uh, the backup quarterback doesn't get interview requests very often until he goes out and is eight for ten in the in the uh, Alamo Bowl uh, with you know just throwing bombs downfield and leading an offensive an offensive uh, just showcase. Same with Hudson Card. I mean, that last year was his freshman year. Uh, You know, got some snaps and garbage time. Uh, Haven't heard from him. uh, You know, speaking since. He was back at Lake Travis and doing TV interviews and, you know, going to all-star games and stuff like that. So it was good to hear both of them. And like I said, they have very different approaches in in how they they speak and how they, uh, you know, carry themselves. And and Casey Thompson has just a, there's a confidence about him. And I almost said quiet confidence, uh, but I don't, I don't think it's quiet confidence. I don't think that's the right word. I think it's, it's, it's maybe mild manneredness, Hmm. But you can tell when when talking with him, and even going back to that Alamo bowl post game, like there's a lot of self. He's very sure of himself, very sure in his ability, and that all everything that he has done in order to get him to this point of, you know, first being the backup quarterback at Texas, then being, you know, in competition for the starting quarter. He's very sure of everything that he's done so far in his career. And then Hudson Card, you know, not not as talkative, and uh, you know, gave a lot of the stock. You know, good teammate, good <laughs> freshman uh, media answers, but a guy who's very who sounded very process oriented, and you know, and someone who has been in similar situations, working to be a quarterback battle, uh, which was kind of in one back at Lake Travis, mm-hmm. and now is you know also understands that he's a redshirt freshman and that it's it's not easy for a redshirt freshman to be the face or a vocal guy and, and seemingly kind of understood that and and how he dealt with the media while still mentioning you know his confidence his ability and learning under Steve Sarkeesian so I was I was really pleased to hear what they had to say and uh what I think you know one of the things that everybody's going to be looking for is not just what they say but how they play and then how they carry themselves on Saturday and what plays they make what plays they don't make what plays they miss all that sort of thing so uh it was very good to hear from them and and I think that's what what everybody's going to be looking for. So I, I think everybody's going to be looking at quarterbacks, but Brad, what are some of the finer details that you kind of want to see? What are some maybe you know more micro things that you're going to look at to try and figure out to see you know how the quarterback battle is going? Uh,
1: you said it right there. I'll be watching the quarterbacks. Everybody is going to be watching the quarterback battle this weekend, and not just folks in Austin but folks around the country. A couple of disclaimers before I answer that question, Joe. I think most Texas fans realize this. It's not going to be perfect on Saturday. Nowhere close to perfect. I mean, these quarterbacks are both works in progress. These aren't players working in a system that they've known for a year or two. These are players working in an entirely new offense with new terminology, and they've had about a month's worth of work. So it's not going to be perfect, and apparently Steve Sarkeesian has still been installing more and more of the offense as spring progressed. So it's not like... You know, they got the whole offense at the start of the spring. They've been working on everything since practice one, and they've just been working on the same stuff over and over again. No, Sark keeps adding more and more to these guys' plates. Once again, they've only had a month to work on this stuff. So if you don't love everything you see on Saturday, I don't think that's cause for concern. I don't think that's reason to push the panic button. These guys still have the summer, and they still have fall camp to figure some things out before the regular season rolls around. Second disclaimer, another thing, Joe, that I think everybody realizes Sark isn't going to make an announcement next week. Like, even if one guy absolutely balls out on Saturday and the other guy looks terrible on Saturday, Sark's not going to go into the post-game media availability or just his next media availability and tell us, hey, this guy won the job, competition's over. He's going to wait until late into fall camp, maybe even game week, before he makes an announcement on who his starting quarterback is going to be. And I think that's what he should do, too. I mean, even if one guy looks really good and one guy doesn't look that good on Saturday, I want this competition to continue to stay open. These guys both talked about it during the media availability today. They are pushing each other. The competition is good for them. It is good for the team. Thankfully, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card have a good relationship. They're friends, so you won't have that locker room split. At least it doesn't sound like you have that major Sims locker room split like we had 20 years ago. So those are the two disclaimers. Now to answer your question, Joe, what I'm looking for on Saturday. Look, there are two things that I really look for in a quarterback, and I think Sark has kind of hinted towards these two things as well. I look for accuracy, and I look for anticipation, and I think that's what Sark's offense is all about, right? Like, I I heard Paul talking about this on the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast, which was dropped a couple of days ago. Like, Sark isn't looking for the ooh and ah type place. He's not looking for off-script craziness. And Texas fans, when we've seen great quarterback play here on the 40 Acres, you think of Vince Young, fourth and long, make something happen with his legs. You think of Colt McCoy, off-script, making something happen, extending a play, finding somebody open down the field. You think of Sam Ellinger doing that during his peak days a couple of years ago. I don't think that's what Sark's looking for. Yeah, he'll take it. He'll take it if a play breaks down and Casey Thompson picks up 25 yards on a run. He's going to love that, but he won't love it as much as the fans do. I think Sark's just looking for the guy who can throw an accurate ball, but also who can run his offense and who looks comfortable in a game-like situation with his offense, who can move the offense down the field on Saturday. So that's what I'll be looking for, man. Accuracy and anticipation. Which quarterback seems to have a better grasp of the Steve Sarkeesian offense to this point?
0: I think luckily for you, this Saturday is going to be very conducive to that because Hudson Card mentioned – actually, I think that's that. Fact, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned on the horn that, you know, this is going to be a very pared-down offensive defense. It's going to be pretty basic stuff, uh, you know, it's, as spring games always are. There's there's never going to be, you know, the most extravagant stuff in the playbook, although maybe they run a trick play or something like that. That's from the the stock trick play. The trick plays everybody runs – Section of the playbook, but yeah, it's going to be pretty basic. It's going to be, you know, kind of can can one team do better fundamentally than the other? And even Hudson Card mentioned still within that offense, within that pared down offense, uh, they should expect to see some shots downfield. And that that's one of the preferences in Steve Sarkeesian's play calling is going downfield and forcing, you know, defenders to make one on one possess or would make one on one plays down the field. So I think you'll see some. You'll see their ability to work within the offense. Of course, they'll, they'll probably be in the quarterback jerseys, uh, which means they aren't to be live tackled. Uh, and DeMar Overshone is inactive this spring, so Casey Thompson doesn't have to worry about that like he did a couple of years ago near the goal line. Uh, but, you know, this is one of those instances where it's going to be pretty basic. It's going to be a lot of can you operate within this offense. And I think that's going to be uh, – it's going to stress the offensive line uh, being able to show that they can protect and hold up long enough for you know Card and and Thompson not to have to scramble, not to have to make those off schedule plays, and to to do you know what what the offense intends for it to do instead of what the player has to read and react to. So uh, this is going to be a good weekend, I think, for you to figure to to figure out some more data uh, at least in that question. And you know, I, I think that other point you made, <laughs> unlike the was, I guess at the time it was number one versus number 11 uh, battle 20 years ago. It doesn't seem like there is any sort of, you know, thrift, like you mentioned. It, it mm-hmm. seems like Steve Sarkeesian has the ability and understands, you know, how to manage a lot of different egos because he's been doing it for years. He's been, in, he's been managing quarterbacks for the past two decades, including some very high-profile ones who ended up getting taken early in the NFL draft. So I think this is one of those situations uh, that, you know, the quarterbacks won't be, won't have everything in in front of them. They won't have everything in the playbook at at their disposal, Uh, but they'll have what they need to. They'll have the basics and it'll be up to their arms to show off the, the playmaking ability and not necessarily their legs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. What else? I mean, outside of the quarterback battle, that's obviously the big thing, the number one thing we're going to be looking at, and the number one thing that most, if not all, Texas fans are going to be looking at on Saturday. But we know it's more than just the quarterback's. That's a question mark for this football team. So keeping things on offense to start. I mean, we feel good about the running backs, I think. I don't think there's a lot of controversy or real competition in the running back room right now. But outside of QB, what else are you looking at on offense? What do you want to see? What do you expect to see this weekend?
0: I want to see how the offensive tackles hold up. Uh, Texas's edge rushers, whether it be Jacoby Jones, Ray Thornton, many of a number of guys have had good springs. And, of course, that's due to their own work. But a little bit of that is because, hey, you're missing a, a top 50 pick is no longer there uh, defending the quarterback's blind side. Uh, this is going to be a big test for uh, the, the offensive tackles, guys like Andre Karich, guys like Christian Jones, uh, even guys like Jalen Garth uh, to, to show off what, what they're able to do protecting whoever plays quarterback's blindside. And uh, that's a huge premium position. That may be, you know, right behind uh, quarterback, the second most important position to watch this upcoming weekend. So that's what I want to see. And not just in the pass protection side, but in the run blocking, because we saw Sam Cosme be pretty stout in run blocking. I know some of the NFL uh, evaluators who, who always pop up this time of year and who knows how uh, how reputable they may be, uh, I saw one the other day talking about how there wasn't a lot of uh, technical uh, showcase with, with Sam Cosby, but he just, he just beat people. He just would force people uh, away from the play. And that was whether in run passing or, or run blocking or pass blocking. So uh, you have to replace that. And, 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 you know, you have to find the guys who will open up the holes uh, for the running backs that you mentioned. So I'm going to be watching the edges of the offensive line. And I think there's uh, I think it's going to be one of those processes where you're going to see some good and you're going to see some bad, Uh, especially I think within the confines of one game, even if the, the, even the defensive play calls are going to be pretty basic as well. But I want to see how those guys hold up against, you know, two players that have been said to have been getting really good or having making plays here in the spring. And you know, what that means for whoever wins the
1: quarterback battle going forward. Agreed 100%. And it feels like Christian Jones has been taking the vast majority of the one reps at left tackle. I want to see how he looks because you're right. We've heard Ray Thornton's name. We've heard Jacoby Jones's name mentioned a bunch during the spring. Maybe those guys are really good, Joe. I hope those guys are really good. And I hope they are tremendous impact players for this team in the fall. But, Nothing I've seen from either of them during their college careers, whether it be Thornton at LSU or Jones here at Texas over the last couple of years, nothing has told me that those guys are elite players. So... I get a little bit nervous hearing how dominant those guys have been because part of me thinks that that means the offensive line isn't that good, especially the tackle positions aren't that good. So I'm hoping those guys can hold their own on Saturday. You mentioned the importance of Christian Jones protecting the blind side of whatever quarterback wins this job. And look, the QBs will be wearing non-contact jerseys on Saturday, so we're not going to see any hits or anything like that. So maybe it won't be that, that easy to see how Christian Jones plays because of that, but I want to see the tackles look good, and yeah, it feels like if there is a position battle still going on, or ongoing, that's probably a better way to word (laughs) that, on the offensive line, it's that right tackle spot, whether it's Andre Carrick, who looked pretty good against K-State in Colorado last year, Isaiah Hookfin, the sophomore, or maybe Tope Amade, who has been here longer than you and I have been there, Joe. (laughs) I mean, I swear, Tope Amade started college before we did, and he's still... On campus, at UT, he's doing it right. So, yeah, which one of those guys shows out? Once again, just like with the quarterbacks, I mean... Just because one guy might play well on Saturday and the other guy doesn't play well on Saturday, that doesn't necessarily mean you can close the book on any sort of competition. But the hope is, Joe, that we see both sides make plays. I just don't want to see the defensive line absolutely dominate this offensive line on Saturday. I mean, even though we know there are some dudes on the D-line, especially up the middle with Coburn and Collins, and we'll probably talk about them a little bit later, I just I want to see the offensive line make some things happen as well because we've learned Over the last decade plus here at Texas, if you don't have good offensive line play, it doesn't matter what skill position players you have. It doesn't matter what kind of quarterback play you're getting. It makes life very, very difficult for an offense to get anything done if the offensive line can't hold its own. So hopefully we see wins from the offensive line on Saturday. Even though Sam Cosme's gone, Joe, you've got a lot of returning experience there, and I hope those guys can uh, show out this weekend and obviously this fall too.
0: Yeah, and, and I think one point that you kind of hinted at that, that I'm trying to make is that look, we know of a couple positions that Tech, that Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas coaches have either already addressed uh, via a transfer or via a high school, you know, late signing, whether it be defensive end or or even uh, you know a defensive back position or places we know where you know they want to improve the position a little bit, whether maybe that's somewhere else on offense. Uh, we haven't heard that about offensive tackle. And granted, a lot of teams just are getting done with the spring. Uh, Some had their spring games last week. Some probably have theirs next week on the 28th. Uh, And, you know, there will be exit interviews and stuff like that. Kids deciding, you know, maybe another place is best for me. Coaches evaluating what they need. But thus far, you know, it doesn't really seem like anybody's been talking about, oh, this this team needs a a transfer at tackle. Now, you know, Alex Leatherwood, the second coming of Alex Leatherwood ends up in the transfer portal, then, yeah, you know, you you give that guy a call. Uh, That guy will improve literally any team in the country. But, you know, at this point, it kind of seems like they seem to be all right with, with what they've got. And I think that's an encouraging sign, at least as far as that was not exactly the case, I think, a couple months ago, and maybe even heading into spring ball. That was a position where they wanted to see what they had, and I guess they have figured out that what they have
1: will work all right yeah i'll be honest dude i have no idea what to expect from this offensive line like i mentioned it pretty much everybody besides sam cosme from the two deep last year is back this year so that's good now tom herman had a number of faults we know that but he did recruit pretty well on the offensive line obviously the class of 2021 Doesn't count. He did a horrible job last year, but besides that, he was able to bring in a decent number of blue-chip guys on the offensive line, so there should be talent in that room. Once again, there is experience in that room as well, but that unit wasn't very good last year, Joe. Like, outside of Sam Cosme, there were so many inconsistencies up front for Texas, so even though guys are back, even though there's talent there, I just really do not know what to expect from that group, and also, I don't mean to bash inside Texas. You guys do great work, but you guys and some of the other insiders out there, it just feels like there are differing reports about the offensive line, like about how good they've been this spring. And look, it's it's a completely new offense. These guys have all had multiple offensive line coaches and offensive coordinators and head coaches during their time at Texas, so it's got to be tough to learn new technique and new terminology. I get that, but it's like it just feels like I agree with your point. It's good that they haven't had to go to the transfer portal. It doesn't feel like they're in dire need of anybody to get a quality starting five out there. But I just, I don't know what exactly to expect from this offensive line, because it feels like, ah, one day they're performing well, and then one day they're not performing well and they look lost in this offense. So I'm really not sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, everybody talks to a different assortment of people, so the the, the game of telephone will always, uh, you know, end up with different answers. But no, I, I completely get that. and. It's one of those things where, like you just mentioned, it's let's see it, let's see what it looks like on the on Saturday, and we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, what what else are you looking for? I, I've got maybe one more uh, position, and, and and at least on the offense that I'm looking out for. I think we've kind of gone over wide receiver a lot, I and mean, if you'd like to get into that, I think it'd be a good time to. But I, I'm that's not something I'm, you know, I know that's going to be a work in progress throughout mm-hmm. the spring. Uh, I'm I'm curious about another position, though. But what what else are you looking for uh, to see on this Saturday? Yeah, I
1: think I know where you're leaning here, but I'll ask you one question about wide receiver. What do we expect from Troy O'Meary this weekend? He's been pretty limited in spring ball coming off that ACL injury he suffered during fall camp before the start of last season. Uh, we think he's going to play this weekend, right? And also, I mean, is he going to be wearing one of those quarterback non-contact green jerseys, or do we think O'Meary might be a full participant because I know I'm pumped to see that guy. I know all Texas fans are pumped to see what that guy can do because every insider has told me that that dude could play. That dude can absolutely ball. We just haven't been able to see it as Texas fans just yet. So what, uh, what are your expectations from Troy O'Meary this weekend?
0: You know, I don't, I, I, I like you mentioned, I think he's going to be in that limited contact Jersey. Uh, I think he even tweeted out the other day. He'll, he'll be limited in the number of snaps he gets. And, I have no problem with that. I, I am like you, like you said, I am excited to see, you know, just what he looks like. We never got to see it other than maybe some videos posted on the Texas social media accounts, and and that's about it. So uh, as far as plays, you know, I, you know, I don't want him going over the middle because football is a game of reactions, and, and sometimes people, they may see green, but uh, that's, that's the opposing team, and, you know, I don't want him to, to get popped. I, I bet you may see him get some some Colin Johnson-like deep balls where you know he's he's going up to make a play and and uh, you know use his size in order to body up the defender. Maybe you'll see him get some deep routes because as, as, as I mentioned, Hudson Carr talked about they like taking shots downfield, and that's Steve Sarkeesian's one of the big things he does with his offense. So I, I don't want to. I, I mean, I'd love to see him maybe land a catch, maybe land a catch or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't I don't need to see him make plays for me to think, oh, okay, Troy O'Meary's back and we're good. I, I think that's a process, especially with something like a full non-contact ACL. Like, y- you wait until he's back to start making your judgments on him. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he does something special uh, this upcoming weekend and his limited plays, and maybe it'll be more reason to to get excited.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, you're right. We've talked about wide receiver a lot. We know everyone's excited to see Jordan Whittington. We know there are questions with the wide receivers beyond Jordan Whittington, Troy O'Meary, Jake Smith, who of course won't play this Saturday, and Joshua Moore. So we'll all be looking out for Marcus Washington and Kelvante Dixon and Avante Woodard and Jaden Alexis, what type of impact they can make this weekend. But uh, what was that other position on offense that you were hinting at that you were hoping to see some things from this weekend?
0: I'm really, really excited to see what the tight ends look like. Uh, under Tom Herman, you know, we we basically saw a tight end be asked to play about three different positions on each, on each play, whether they split out wide, whether they are in line, or whether they were basically acting as a fullback. I'm curious to see what their responsibilities are, and I think they'll have, you know, a little bit less on their plate. Uh, I think you'll see them in line, and I, I know that, It may drive people crazy, uh, but, you know, it's part of current offensive strategy. I think you'll even see Steve Sarkeesian do this as well if he goes tempo. Tight ends are going to start lining up out wide. It's just part of modern football, and I know people would rather see a receiver there. But, hey, defense can substitute too and put a defensive back out there Mm -hmm. as well. So I'm really curious to see how these tight ends are are utilized, what their responsibilities are play-by-play. Kind of, I guess, dovetailing with that since – I, I don't anticipate them being uh, asked to do a lot of fullback-like things. I'm kind of curious who Texas's fullback is. I mean, mm. I don't think they've had one, uh, a, a true fullback in a while. They would just, under Tom Herman, throw that to Cade uh, Brewer, throw that to Jared Wiley, throw that to Aaron Beck. Not throw, but place them there at that spot. So uh, I, I really want to see what the, the Brewers and, and, and Wileys and, Heck, even the Malcolm Epps and Gunner Helms and Juan Davises do uh, what their responsibilities are play-by-play. Play. If it's more you know conventional tight end stuff or if they ask him to be superhuman on a lot of plays like, like Tom uh, Herman asked his tight end.
1: I'm being super negative today, Joe. I'm not sure why. I mean, we're two days away from the spring game. I mentioned it to start off this pod. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Everyone's excited. Everyone's pumped. I can't wait to see what this team does on Saturday. But I am just so negative on this tight end room. I know there are dudes. I know there are bodies. But I just haven't seen anything from any of those guys that tells me that they can be big impact players or difference makers come the fall. And I'll be honest, Joe, even if... We see some 12 personnel on Saturday, even if we consistently see at least one tight end on the field at all times on Saturday. I'm not sure if that necessarily is going to translate to what we see from this offense in the fall. Because you go back to Alabama 2019, hell, you go back to Alabama last year, but mainly 2019, they didn't use a tight end, hardly ever. Now, they had four first-round wide receivers— and Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. Texas doesn't have those. But, Joe, I feel better about Texas's first four-at-wide receiver than I do about any of these tight ends. And I think Sark has made it a point of emphasis. He's mentioned this a number of times since taking the Texas job, and we saw him do this at previous stops. He's going to put his best 11 on the field. And I just don't know if any of these tight ends would qualify as a best 11. Like, maybe they have to play... Because maybe this offensive line, maybe the tackles struggle a little bit, so you need to bring in a a tight end to chip a little bit and to help out with the offensive line and to help out with the run game. Like, maybe you get to a situation where you have to use the tight end. But, Joe, I know we saw some things from Jared Wiley last year, and I feel like that dude's got potential. I just don't think there's a difference maker in that tight end room right now. I hope one of those guys—hell, I hope two or three of those guys steps up and proves me wrong, but I just— I'm making two different points here in one. Number one, I'm not that confident in any of those tight ends stepping up. And number two, I just, even if tight ends play a lot this weekend, you know, when Jake Smith is back and when Troy O'Meary is 100% and Texas has its full complement of receivers in the fall, I wouldn't be surprised if we just don't see the tight end position all that much during the regular season.
0: Am I crazy? Yeah, go ahead. No, I I think that makes sense. It's definitely the, the big question mark because at this point, you know, Cade Brewer is a, a super senior or, or ultimate senior, COVID senior. And we've seen what he can do. Uh, Jared Wiley is what? This is his third year in the program, limited. But, you know, uh, what you're you're basically asking, like, what steps, what room do these guys have to improve? And your answer seems to be, you know, doesn't seem like there's a lot. And I think that's really, you know, I think that's a, a fair estimation of the position because, you know, if someone was a playmaker – He probably would have been used for making plays over these past couple of years instead of somebody else. And that just has not popped up yet. And and, and so I I understand your apprehension uh, with the position. Hey, that's why it makes it all the more important to see what they do. Are they Mm -hmm. just going to be used for, for blocking? Uh, Are they going to be any sort of constraint in in the passing game? Or are they going to be an active part of the offense? Uh, I think we've seen that, you know, a, an average tight end can, can, it doesn't hurt your offense doesn't help your offense. Elite tight ends can take your offense to the next level. Uh, I don't think Texas has one of those. Uh, It sounds like you don't believe they have one of those Mm -hmm. right now uh, uh, for sure. So I think just finding out where the baseline of that position is is going to be a a big thing to watch. And and also, like I mentioned, just what they're asked to do. Are they asked to be superhuman again, which I don't think will happen, or will they be something more in line with uh, what other uh, why tight ends are, are asked to do yeah um, I'll, that's I'll, I'll, all I got on, on the offensive side of the ball so I'll, what do, what do you have What anything else remaining on Steve Sarkeeson's area of expertise
1: yeah I will add this I think I've got some PTSD from Tom Herman's emphasis on having a tight end on the field at all times and you're right maybe trying to use them too much or use them in spots where they're not comfortable or where their skill sets don't necessarily translate into success I think that's part of it but Man, I hope next week, Joe, when we do our spring game recap pod, that I can admit that I'm wrong. And look, maybe I won't be really fully wrong until the fall, but I do hope one of these tight ends goes off on Saturday. And, like, one of our big takeaways from the spring game is that, damn, we might have something really, really special at tight end. I hope that is the case, but, uh, yeah, I just, I'm not super optimistic about that. But, no, I think that's it offensively, man. I mean, excited to see what Stark can do. You know, even though it's going to be vanilla this weekend, he admitted as such, uh, I think we're going to see some creativity, some innovation, some things that we didn't see from Tom Herman even during regular season and bowl game action. So uh, I'm really excited to to see what this new look offense looks like without question. What about defense, man? I mean, boy, a lot of questions. The questions don't stop on offense. So where are you? If I had to give you one position to pick, you can go player to a position or a player that you're most looking forward to watching this weekend. Who's that guy? What's that position?
0: I think it's linebacker because with uh, Juwan Mitchell's uh, departure, uh, electing to enter into the portal with the Marvin Overshones injury, keeping him out of spring, I'm really looking forward to seeing what these linebackers do. And as we know, linebackers are the position that within the big 12 is hunted and matchups the most. And the guy who's been uh, reportedly still able to handle himself in that role is, Uh, David Benda and you know, I've always kind of, they don't, they don't march out the guy having bad practices to talk to the media. And that that, does not to mean that, you know, David Benda's, you know, playing at a all conference level right now. There's no way of knowing that, but he's impressed the coaches enough to where they are like, Hey, this guy's going pretty well. He's done pretty good. Let's let's bring him out. And that, that pairs with what we've heard at, at inside Texas. So I'm excited to see what he is able to do. Uh, the linebacker roles are shifting a little bit. I still can. I, I am still struggling sometimes to get the names down because Will is now Mike and Mike is now Dime and Jack is still Jack, I think. But now there's X. So that even even I, you know, every now and then have to work on, on who is playing where. Uh, but David Bend is playing one of those two middle linebacker positions. Is you know was always an athletic guy. I think he ran just above 11 and a hundred meter back at Cinco ranch. So athleticism has never been an issue. It's just been, you know, getting him up to speed at linebacker. Remember he had to go play running back, I think for a couple of weeks because of the emergency yeah. at that position that resulted in Rashawn Johnson being a running that too. Uh, David Benda was even more emergency than Rashawn Johnson was, but uh, now that he's back playing linebacker, I'm interested to see, how he does, and, and, you know, that's one of the things where if he's making plays independent, you know, if if, if a guy who is by him at that other linebacker position, be it someone like Jalen Ford or or Luke Brockmeyer or Jayden Hullaby, anybody like that, uh, if David Benda is able to make plays kind of independent of the other linebacker, uh, and and that kind of goes for everybody. It's just that David Benda is kind of who I expected, uh, to be from this weekend, if he's able to start making plays, that's, that goes well for Texas's linebacking core. Because if, if I remember right, DeMarvin Overshone and Juwan Mitchell didn't come off the field very often mm-hmm. last year. They, they got most of those snaps at linebacker. And because they didn't really trust uh, fully trust who was behind them at that spot, if David Benda has now become a guy who's trustworthy, uh, a guy who is competing for those first snaps at one of the linebacker spots. And then you add in, you know, a guy like DeMarvin Overstrom later down the line ahead of the fall. And, you know, you get these top two athletic, you know, rangy linebackers who aren't afraid to hit either. That, that goes really well for a position that not too long ago uh, we were wondering, you know, not, not weeks ago, but maybe a year or even a few months ago. We were wondering, you know, what the hell is this going to look like Mm -hmm. this
1: year? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up David Benda, and I've loved what I've heard about David Benda to this point. You need good linebacker play. And I don't think Juwan Mitchell was all that great last year, but you knew what you got with Juwan Mitchell. He was consistent. Like, you knew the type of player he was week in and week out, and he was this team's leading tackler, so he did make some things happen last year for Texas now that he's gone Big question. So I love that David Benda has apparently stepped up and had a really, really good spring. But yeah, linebacker, I'm going to be watching that a lot on Saturday because DeMarvion overshone isn't going to be playing either. We feel good about DeMarvion Overshone. I mean, he looked great last year in his first year playing linebacker. I mean, it's so impressive what Overshone did, right? Making the transition from safety to linebacker. Look, anytime you make a position change like that, it's tough. But to do it without a spring, which was the case last year, and to play as well as Overshone did Really, really impressive. I think Coleman Hutzler, last year's linebackers coach, deserves some credit. I know you've talked about that before in the past. So, yeah, I feel good about Overshoen, but what about the other linebackers? Is David Benda as good as advertised? And I'll be honest, Joe, I don't want to say I closed the book on David Benda, and I'll admit this was stupid, but I had my hand on the cover when I heard that he was transitioning to running back. Like, I know it was an emergency situation at running back. I know it was because Texas just didn't have enough bodies out there, and they, they had to find somebody to get some reps just in case they really, really had an emergency. But at any time a guy switches positions, I get a little nervous. And I'm not talking like safety a linebacker. I'm talking like switches sides of the ball. So if a guy goes from offense to defense or defense to offense, my first thought is, and maybe it's stupid, but I feel like more often than not this is true, my first thought is, only just wasn't good enough on that side of the ball. So they got to try to find a way to use this guy and get the most out of his scholarship. When I heard that about David Binda, I'm like, oh, man, maybe he's just not ever going to be that good of a linebacker here at Texas. And by all accounts, he's looked really, really good this spring. So, yeah, he's going to be called upon a lot. And I'm just curious who lines up at linebacker, too. I mean, you brought up Jalen Ford. Brockermeyer has had a pretty solid spring. Jet Bush still on the team, like, There are some true linebackers on this team who are competing for playing time at linebacker, but also, Joe, what about the safeties? I mean, we know some of the safeties have been cross-training at linebacker. You guys have reported that Brendan Schooler's been getting some run at one of the linebacker spots. Uh, Tyler Owens has been reported, and I think he tweeted out himself kind of hinting towards getting some run at linebacker. So not only like which of the true linebackers step up, the David Bendis, the Jalen Fords of the world, but also... Who is lined up at linebacker this Saturday? And do we see Pete Kwiatkowski using a bunch of different guys at those linebacker spots to try to ensure that he's able to get his best 11 on the field?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny you brought up Schubert and Owens because, while I don't think this is going to be a weakness for the team, it's still an ongoing battle because uh, B.J. Foster seems to pretty safely have one of those safety spots down uh, as being his. Uh, Adam, Chris Adamora and Anthony Cook are both having good springs playing at that nickel spot. So that free safety position is pretty interesting. And, and Jaron Thompson and Brendan Stewart have been the two guys going back and forth there. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Tyler Owens and, and Brendan Stewart uh, playing a little bit closer to the line of experience. I don't know if that's them shifting a linebacker, uh, you know, changing their position as much as it is maybe being involved in, in a certain package In in certain situations, I don't think those are full-time shifts, but I think it also shows that Pete Kwiatkowski is is willing to to tinker and and do some more. You know, not have guys just pigeonholed into certain spots. He's willing to say, hey, if you're able to help the team better here in this spot, well, hey, you might want to think about doing it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do think that shows that as far as Kwiatkowski goes, but. Uh, safety is going to be interesting to watch. That's that's another position I'm watching but it, as opposed to to linebacker and wide receiver. It's not a position I'm watching with concern. It's kind of, it's a position I'm watching with optimism because I was really impressed with, with Jaron Thompson toward the end of last year, uh, especially knowing what I knew about him coming out of Luskin High School, just a, a competitive guy who was always going to keep his head down and work and was rewarded early in the year, uh, or excuse me, late in the year with playing time and even made a couple of plays in those last two games, including an interception. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how the safeties do, not only just how they play individually, but what the unit looks like, too, because I think uh, also with Steve Sarkeesian on the horn, they asked him about pairing you know, Pete Kwiatkowski's front with, with Terry Joseph's uh, defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. And I think what you'll see uh, on Inside Texas in, 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 in either today or in the coming days is a little bit of, Detail about that and and about how you know this is going to be really vanilla. Don't take everything you see from the safeties as what's going to be happening every day come Saturdays in the fall. Uh, But that means you know you got to see these guys execute the fundamentals. If they're going to be running the similar stuff on a play-by-play basis, you want to see them execute those fundamentals. And I think so far all these safeties have done a good job of it. So uh, definitely not a position I'm watching with concern, more of one with interest and. At the same time, you know, have fun watching some of these positions that you know are in good hands. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty confident BJ Foster knows what he's doing out there at safety and is a, a plus for the team just because he's not in a position battle, or you know, just because a guy like I don't know, say, Keandre uh, Coburn or Alfred Collins aren't in like pure acute position battles. I still take note of it and see like, okay, this is where there's going to be a strong suit. That's I think cool. honestly free safety could be one of those positions. It's not as solidified in that regard as much as others, but they've got two guys who know how to play football know how to watch things from the back end and know how to Dive down and make plays with, with guys like Jaron Thompson and Brendan Schooler.
1: Yeah, competition is great, but it's even greater to know who you have starting at each position. And there are a few guys on both sides of the ball that you know will be starting for Texas, and those are the biggest impact players. Those are the best players, right? The guys who have pretty much locked down starting spots at this point. For the record, Joe, I hope this is the most tinkering that Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkisian have to do during their Texas careers. Now, I think Pete Kwiatkowski, during his time at Washington, had less talented defenses than the defense that he has at Texas right now, but he's having to replace so much from last year's team, and there's a lot of cross-training, and there's just a lot of, I should say, a lack of depth at a lot of positions on this defense. So he's got to tinker and try a bunch of different things to maximize this defense and get the most out of this defense, and I think he's going to do a good job for a number of reasons. I think he's a great coach. And, Joe, how many times in a row have we seen a first-year defensive coordinator have a ton of success at Texas? The first year never worries me. It's always year two, and really it's year three that kind of freaks me out. Hopefully PK can break that trend. But, yeah, I I just think there's a lot of tinkering. Like, this might be the hardest coaching job that these coaches have to do because there's just not a ton, like by Texas standards, there's not a ton of proven talent at a lot of spots on this roster. I'll tell you what, though, Joe, if there's one player – that I'm going to be watching the most on defense this Saturday, it's Brendan Schooler. Because he apparently has gotten better and better and better over the course of this spring. And the really one bit of footage that I've seen and the one bit of footage that every Longhorn fan has seen from this spring was the Bijan Robinson highlight run from the first scrimmage that was tweeted out by Jaden uh, Blue a couple of weeks ago. And Brendan Schooler, I know people were excited about his recovery speed and the fact that at the end of the play, he was able to track down B. John Robinson and force him out of bounds around the 10-yard line, but he took the worst angle, one of the worst angles I've ever seen, and he just looked completely lost on that play. And I brought it up earlier, when guys switch positions, I know Brendan Schooler played safety his freshman year at Oregon, and he actually was pretty good, he had four picks as a safety at Oregon, but when a guy switch, switches sides of the ball like Brendan Schooler did, I, I sit here and think, alright, well... he probably wasn't very good at wide receiver, and that probably also means that Texas doesn't feel very good at safety right now. And I keep hearing that Brendan Schooler's getting more and more run and getting more and more playing time. Like, that's good that he's playing well, apparently, but it also, like, I think I've got more nerves about safety than you do. So I'm making two points here. Number one, I want to see how much Brendan Schooler plays with the ones. Number two, where Brendan Schooler lines up. And then my other point is, like, is it good? And I'll ask you this question. Is it good for Texas, that Brendan Schooler is getting a lot of playing time and getting as much run with the ones at safety as he apparently is? Or does that mean that, you know, the Jaron Thompsons of the world, the Tyler Owens of the world, the other guys that I think, you know, if you asked Texas fans at the end of last season who was going to be the free safety, you'd probably pick one of those two cats. Does that mean that maybe those guys aren't progressing the way that we wanted them to progress? Uh, I think
0: with the case of Schooler, you know, if he was a plus at wide receiver, considering what we know at position, I think he'd still be there. Uh, that's that's still one of the, the big concerns on this team. And you know, if he's a plus there, uh, he'd probably still be there. One of the guys we're talking about there. It, 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 he moved to safety, I think, because that's where you know obviously they, they anticipated his him being able to play better. Uh, and I understand your point about. Uh, you know, switching positions. I mean Tope Amade who, you know, in his sixth year just now really finally competing for, you know, first string snaps, he went back and forth on the defensive and offensive line. And of course you have to credit him for being willing to make that move. Not everybody will will want to do that and, and Brendan Schooler is one one and the same. A guy who you know, could be in the real world right now, instead wanted to give college football one more try and he's giving it a crack at a at a position that, you know, he hadn't played in several years. But I think this I don't think this is a case of, you know, Brendan Schooler just being a tallest short person. I think this is him actually, you know, standing out and, and doing well. And I think that's okay considering, you know, how young Jaron Thompson still is, and there's, you know, they're, they're waiting on some guys who are just now getting there, like J.D. Coffee. You know, I think in his first year, to develop, and even Tro- uh, not Troy um uh, Tyler Owens, like that was a guy who, even coming out of high school, yeah, he had an extremely lofty ranking. Some some publications put him as a five star. That's because it was a guy who could run a ten two playing safety. Uh, you don't get that very often. You don't get guys running ten twos playing very many positions, hmm. and even if they do. They're not six three and 210, 215 pounds mm-hmm. like that. He is a physical specimen that Texas, you know, is not very common throughout college football. So the fact that it's still taking a couple of years for him to develop and get it and, and understand how to react that 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 doesn't surprise me. Now I want to see it kind of start to come together because we've seen him beat uh, several, times. you know, some of that's bad luck. Some of it was an awful situation that he was thrown into. Uh, where it's like, hey, freshmen, learn learning the position. Yeah, go learn it against TTU. Have fun. <laughs> Some of that, you know, you can't really account for. Uh, but this is, you know, one of those times where I want to see how he does, What he's, if he's able to get the basics of this defense down and, and read and react and make the right play and use his athleticism to take the right angle. But as far as schooler goes, I don't think it's a case of, you know, everything's so bad that the least. The least bad is looking good. I think it is someone who is actually good uh, at the position, and, and, and you know, he's, he's up there for a reason, and I don't think it's just because he is, uh, you know, huh, he's he's what we got. You know? Yeah.
1: Now, when you say Tope Amade could be in the real world, do you mean the world that you and I live in, or do you mean the TV show that Kevin Dunn was once in?
0: Uh, you know what? I I really don't know. I, I don't know if I, uh, I don't know his personality well enough. But you know, when you when you gather eighty five scholarship guys and one hundred ten total, when you throw in some walk ons, maybe there is a guy who ends up uh, you know on in that line of work. Uh, reality mm. TV instead of reality. Yeah, so, I might have yeah, to ask but, Sark. Uh, I don't think is that guy. If I had to <laughs> pick one,
1: Yeah. I might have to ask Sark or one of the players, like which current Texas player would fit best on a reality TV show. Now, I might have my media privileges revoked, and I might not be able to ask any more questions for the rest of my life, but I'm kind of curious which guys have the personality on this team. I feel like we've known a couple of guys over the last few years, but with so many departures – I want to know like the leaders but also the personality guys on this football team. Very random sidebar there, Joe. I'm not sure how you respond to that, but you're a consummate pro, so how are you going to respond to that?
0: Well, is there anything else with football <laughs> that we want to get to? I know Sarkeesian mentioned, like I said, pared down, going to be pretty basic. Uh, we, we hit the, the position groups that are doing well last week, and we've highlighted the position groups that, are, uh, that we want to see stuff out of, whether good or bad, this week. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be, what, 25% capacity for some first-served seats, yeah. like, starting at 1 p.m.? Do you think they'll fill uh, up the
1: know. 25%? Like, I'm honestly speaking from personal experience. I shouldn't say personal experience. I'm just making this selfish, making this about me. But, like, we've got a pregame show before the game on Saturday. So the game itself kicks off at 1. You'll be able to listen to it on the horn. Of course, it'll be on LHN on the TV side, too. But we're doing a pregame show, Bucky and me from 12 to 1245. And my plan is to book it from the station to DKR and hopefully get there, maybe not exactly by 1 o'clock, but, you know, maybe get there 105, 110. Joe, do I need to be worried? Like, do we think Texas is going to get 25,000 people at DKR on Saturday? Has an
0: effort on a spring game, like even without any restrictions. Yeah. I mean, I mean, That's that's saying that you know I I think most spring games are you know open entry, so they don't really do well to uh, tabulate how many people make it in. Um, I can't ever really recall a spring game having more than thirty thousand people, and in you know non-pandemic times. I mean, Mm -hmm. just think of it this way: whenever Tom Herman was hired back in twenty seventeen. That first game against Maryland, that 11 a.m. game, new excitement, new coach, you know, UH national championship at Ohio state, all that. They didn't sell out that game, you know, and that's supposed to be the most exciting time. First coach riding the buzz, riding the wave, all that. Of course, you know, that game ended, but still even before the game, you would have expected a lot of people there. And I think that indicated, well, show me a winner, huh. I think combine that with pandemic and, and all the different stuff, I think you're going to be good. I think yeah. you will be able to find good seats and uh, maybe get some pluckers or torches hey. or Austin's pizza or whatever you're looking for. Or uh, I don't know if they sell all set in the stadium, but maybe they have another type of beer there if you're looking for that. So I, I think you should be able to make it now that by one Oh five, I don't know if uh, that may be a little aggressive. That may hey. include some, uh, some, some pretty, uh, I don't know if you want to be telling uh, your parents how you drove on mopeds to get to the stadium in 15 minutes from, from the horns uh, uh, studios, but I think you'll be good and you'll be able to find a seat pretty easily and uh, see what it's uh see what the new, the new system looks like for yourself in person.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see the team. I'm excited to see the coaching staff. I'm excited to see the South end zone as well. I know it's not completely done and unfortunately the new Godzilla-tron, or whatever we're supposed to call the new scoreboard, apparently that's not going to be operating this Saturday. It's not quite done just yet. So kind of bummed, but we'll at least get to see uh, what the south end zone looks like in person, which will be pretty cool. But no, man, I'm excited. I mean, one one final quick thought, and you can comment on this if you want. We didn't talk about the corners, really. Um, I'm just I'm looking for technique from the corners. Just what do they do when the ball's in the air? how many times have we had to talk about that over the last decade, Joe, where Texas corners seemingly panic when the ball's in the air, they don't turn around and or they get handsy with wide receivers. Hopefully, the Pete Kwiatkowski, Cherry Joseph, Blake Gideon combination can coach that out of these guys. And hopefully you don't have the deer in the headlights look that often from the corners this weekend, but obviously more importantly this fall too. Yeah, exactly. I think
0: that you know corner... We don't talk much about corner just because we think there's pretty good stuff there, whether that's be all the experience, even a guy like Keaton Crawford, who's playing very well. So I think that's, you know, just a position where there's confidence, but I agree with you. Maybe we don't see that this Saturday uh, or maybe we do considering how many uh, deep shots Steve Sarkeesian may take and Hmm. and really make those guys prove their worth right away. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I want to see that too going forward and, yeah, it'll it'll just be good for you know, this may be the last time DKR is in these uh restricted times. I think uh if everything goes to plan that, you know, people will be able to fill up the stadium as, as they had in years past. And uh the athletic department certainly plans that way and I'm I'm looking forward to, to that. So, you know, maybe this is the last time we we gather without as many people as possible gathering and Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium.
1: No doubt. The spring game has sprung. Can't wait. All right, anything else, Joe? We good for the day?
0: I think we've done it. I think we've done it. I think, uh, you know, we'll we'll hit on baseball next week in a a little bit more of a review, but I think everybody knows that this is a very, very huge series with implications in the Big 12 because after marching pretty easily through the bottom half of the Big 12, uh, and there's a pretty clear line between where the top and bottom half of the Big 12 is. Uh, now it's time to do it against some tougher teams. And they go on the road at Oklahoma State uh, this upcoming weekend against a team that is good, even though they just got swept by TCU. And, you know, this will be a very huge weekend to determine a lot about this Texas team, whether it's, you know, A team that lost three straight to the beginning of the year, or whether it's a team that swept a very good South Carolina team, or you know somewhere in the middle of that. So, uh, big series for baseball. I'll try to keep an eye on it as best I can. But football's back. Mm -hmm. You have the uh, the countdowns. Do we know how many days are left till till kickoff against Louisiana?
1: We've got.
0: You're my guy for that.
1: I know. Let me make sure I got this right. I think we're at 135 days till kickoff. It's either 134 or 135. Now, if if you count like... Okay, you know what? I'm not going to go through the math. We're just going to say 135. I don't want to bore people more than I already have. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the One Hour Podcast. <laughs> yes, next week we'll recap the spring game. We'll talk Texas baseball. We'll talk Texas basketball. Hopefully... We can talk a little bit about a national championship-winning volleyball team. We're recording this on Thursday. The Longhorns play in the Final Four tonight against Wisconsin, the championship match on Saturday. Hopefully they get there. If not, still a hell of a season for Jared Elliott nonetheless, but uh, that would be cool too. So hook them ladies. Hopefully they can get the job done up in Omaha. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of the 1&0 podcast. Be sure to follow Joe on Twitter at josephcook eighty nine. Check out the great work that he and the Inside Texas crew does over at InsideTexas.com. You can follow them on all social media at Inside Texas as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brad Kellner. Listen to the Triple Option with RBKD weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on The Horn and online at horn.com fm.com thanks again to our sponsors audio visual consultations and altstat beer and many thanks to you we appreciate the continued love and support of the one and o podcast this would not be possible without y'all so thank you very much until next time y'all stay safe y'all stay healthy and hook